0: You have no energy, you're sluggish. Many mornings it takes a sheer act of willpower to haul yourself out of bed. Simple tasks have become overwhelming. You have a hard time concentrating and even making the most simple decisions that you could make easily before. You feel paralyzed by simple things that shouldn't paralyze you. You're losing weight. You're not trying. You just have no appetite. In fact, you have no appetite for pleasure in general. You have no sex drive. You have no socializing drive. You have no fun drive. You can't remember the last time you had a good laugh. Inside your head and your heart, you feel numb. You feel just kind of empty and blah. And and, uh, probably the worst part is you feel far from God. You wonder if God is really there still, if God is listening. You feel like you try to pray and talk to God and there's no one on the other end of the line. And in your very dark moments, every once in a while, you sometimes wonder if perhaps the pain of ending your life would be less than the pain of continuing to be a burden to yourself and others. Or to put it another way, you are depressed. That's what it's like to be depressed. It, it's a very hard thing. I don't know if any of you here have ever struggled with depression, if you have ever had perhaps been diagnosed with depression. Maybe you have somebody in your life that you love and care about who, who has been uh, diagnosed with that, and it's a very difficult thing. People are depressed, and you give them a pep talk, and they're still depressed. What's wrong? I gave you a pep talk. Why aren't you better? It, it's, it's difficult. It's challenging. And even if you've never been depressed clinically, even if you've never been at a place in your life where a, a, a therapist or a, or a psychiatrist would sit down with you and say, you are clinically depressed, even if you've never been there, we all know what it's like just to be in the doldrums of life, to, to have circumstances sideswipe us and, and we're discouraged and, and downcast and, and hopeless feeling inside and so we know what it's like to sing the blues. It's a common human experience. Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 is a psalm written by somebody who's depressed. It's the psalm of the depressed person, the psalm of the depressed saint. But what's so cool about this psalm is that it not only addresses honestly this common human experience of being despondent and melancholy and depressed, but but it connects that experience to our relationship with God. So so it looks at this topic of depression from a spiritual perspective, and and it says, how does this connect with our relationship with God? How do we put all those pieces together? What, What does our faith in Christ have to say to this experience of depression? And so I want to read Psalm 42 and 43. Now, you'll notice I keep saying Psalm 42 and 43, and that's because most likely this was originally one psalm, and it's been actually been incorrectly divided in our English Bibles. And maybe you hear that and you're like, what? There's an error in the Bible? No, there's not an error in the Bible. You know, but remember, when, when God gave his word to his people, he didn't give it with chapter and verse numbers. That was added later by, by scribes, Right? And so that's kind of an artificial thing that's been added in, and sometimes chapters and verses are helpful, and sometimes they make it confusing. And here's one where most scholars agree, and and I would agree, that Psalm 42 and 43 should be read as one psalm, and and there's a number of reasons for that. So let me read Psalm 42, 43 uh, out loud, and and I just want you to listen both for the, the sort of honest description of depression, but also how the psalmist is... Is connecting his faith into that as he battles against the experience of depression. So let me read this psalm. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my kept, my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my joy and my delight, I will praise you with the harp, O oh God, my God. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. As the psalmist tries to put together this experience of depression with his faith in God. I just want to point out this morning that he does three things. These three things, they're kind of jumbled together. He sort of vacillates between these three things throughout the psalm. This psalm doesn't have a a totally nice, orderly structure or logic, but, but he sort of cycles around these three things. The psalmist does these, and so I just want to point them out to us because I think there are three things that we can do as we struggle with The down times in our lives, even as Christians. And here's the first thing he does. Number one. First thing is the psalmist talks honestly about his depression. So, number one, the psalmist talks honestly about his depression. This psalm is really honest, it's brutally honest, it's very raw. This isn't a sugar coated psalm. You know, how are you doing, psalmist? Good, how are you? Good, 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 good. You know, it's not like that. It's, how are you doing? Bad, really bad. And, and he's very honest about what he's experiencing in, in his depression. And I think that's important to point out because I, I suspect that sometimes we have this idea as Christians that if we're really following Jesus and if we really love the Lord, that will always be upbeat and happy and zippy and will never have a down day and, and will never be melancholy and that real Christians who love Jesus can't get depressed. Right? It, we, we have this idea. Some of you kids, any kids here ever seen the Lego movie? You guys see it? I love the Lego movie. That movie, I could, I've seen that like three, four times. I could watch it again. I'll go watch it again tonight. night. Love that movie. And what's the theme song of that movie? everything is awesome, right? (laughs) These happy Lego people, that no matter how bad things get, they're always like, everything's awesome. And I think some of us think, perhaps, unconsciously, that if you're a Christian, everything's awesome, no matter what. But the reality is that people of faith have struggled with depression. It appears from history that some of the great saints, like Martin Luther, like John Wesley, like Charles Spurgeon wrestled with bouts of meltdown. They wouldn't call it clinical depression. I mean, that's a bit anachronistic. But they would call it, you know, being downcast. And, and they struggled with these things. Elijah was so discouraged after his battle on Mount Carmel, which he won. But he got so down that he told God, I want to die. And, and Paul said in his sufferings, and his trials, he said, sometimes we are so discouraged that we would given up hope of even life itself. You know, you look at the Psalms, and, and there's all these different Psalms we have in front of us, and there's different types of Psalms, different genres of Psalms. Do you know what by far, in a way, the most common genre of Psalm is in the book of Psalms? It's the lament, you know? There's a lot of lament in the Psalms, because we live in this world. There's a lot of things to lament as we struggle in the struggle of faith. Even our Lord Jesus, as he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's pondering the prospect of suffering for the sins of God's people, he said to his disciples, come with me and pray for my soul is sorrowful unto death. And he was overwhelmed by those circumstances. So we need to be honest about these struggles we have we can't think that if we're christians we shouldn't feel these things so that's what the psalmist does for us here so much of this psalm is being very brutally honest about depression he talks honestly about his depression and and he says a lot of things i'm not i'm not going to look at every single thing he says but let me just point out two of them two images in fact that the psalmist uses to talk about his discouragement And, and they're both they both revolve around water interestingly how he does this the first one is this he says his depression is like dehydration do you see that in verse 1 of psalm 42 as the deer pants for streams of water so my soul pants for you O god my soul thirsts for god for the living god where can i go and meet with god He's, he's like an animal who's, you know, you know, an animal's thirsty. They stop being skittish. They're just desperate for water. Their inhibitions go away. And when I read that, I was thinking about um, my dog. I have a little uh, terrier named Princess Leia. And uh, I was, you know, when I walk her in the summer, sometimes on a hot day, like her tongue is, you know, it's on the ground, Right? She could like ride on it, you know, while I drag her along. It's and she's so thirsty by the time we get home and I take her off the leash and she beelines to the water dish. And then it's I don't know how she you know just (laughs) she keeps drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking and her little, you know, leash is like banging against the dish. It's like ding 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 ding. (laughs) She's drinking, she's just so desperate for water. That's this image here of, of just being desperate. When you're depressed, you're desperate. You got tunnel vision. You just think about one thing. I need relief. You know, help me from this. It's, it, it, and you, you don't think straight, and you're not thinking about other things. It's hard to concentrate because you have tunnel vision. When you're, when you're dying of dehydration, you just have one thought. Water. That's it. You don't care who's up or down in the presidential polls. You could care less how Apple stock is doing. You, you just want water. And so that's where the psalmist is at. He's so depressed. But what is it that he longs for? Not just relief. What specifically is he longing for? He wants God. My soul pants for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God. Because one of the, the things that often happens when we're down and we're broken is that we don't we don't feel God. We, we, we don't experience God. God seems like he's far away and he's abandoned us. And, and we, don't, we can't see his goodness in our lives. And we wonder, is God even there? And look at the psalmist is, again, brutally honest about this. Look at verse 9. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? And all my enemies are saying, where is your God? I'm wondering, where is my God? Or verse 2 of chapter, of uh, Psalm 43, You are God my stronghold, why have you rejected me? So the psalmist feels like he's in a faraway land, he, he's, he's far from God's presence that's I think that's the point of verse 6 back in chapter Psalm 42 is he says I'll remember you from the land of the Jordan from the heights of Mount Hermon from Mount Midzar he's not with God in the temple he's somewhere far to the north he feels like God has abandoned him and there's this great distance between him and God and when you're really discouraged and downcast and despondent you know you try to pray and it feels like weightlifting it doesn't feel like a nice conversation. It just feels like you're lifting a heavy weight. Or you try to read the Bible, and, you know, you read, you read the words, and then you look up, and you realize you don't even realize, you don't even know what you just read, and so you try to read it again. It's like you, it's not going in, and, and you don't feel God's presence. You just wonder, like, God, why have you abandoned me? Where are you? That's really raw, <laughs> you know? But can you say that as a Christian? Can can I say as a Christian, I feel like, God, God, you've rejected me? Apparently, you can. God can handle it, even if if we're broken. And the frustrating thing is the psalmist remembers when it used to be different. Look at uh, Psalm 42, verse 4. He says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. As I'm struggling with all this, he goes... I remember how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. I remember that we used to have a thing, God, and now it seems like we don't have a thing. You know, I used to go to church and sing, I used to lead Bible studies. God, I used to help depressed people, (laughs) and now I'm depressed. And I don't know what to do anymore. God, I used to be the one who was, who was praying for people. And I used, to be the, I used to be in the praise team. And I would stand in front of the church and my hands were in the air. And people would say, oh, your joy in the Lord just helps me sing. And I was like, wow, you know. And What happened? It's all gone. And now I'm, I, I'm, I just feel numb toward you, God. I, I don't know where you are. He's really honest about this. But not only is depression for the psalmist like dehydration, this is what's kind of interesting, it's also like drowning. So so it's like having too little water, but it's also like having way too much water. So if you look down at verse 7 of Psalm 42, he says, Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. So, it's not only like I'm desperate and I'm, I'm dehydrated, it's also like I'm drowning. You know, the waves just keep crashing over me and I'm just trying to get my breath, and another one boom, slops on top of me and pushes me further under, and I'm losing my strength to swim. It feels like being overwhelmed, too. You know, why do people get depressed? What, what, what causes, what, what's the thing that causes depression? And the answer is there isn't a thing. Depression is a complex, multifaceted, uh, in some ways unique to each person kind of a thing. Um, sometimes there's biological components to it. I mean, I mean, in some ways, part of depression is has to do with neurochemistry, which is why medications in some cases can help because it has to do with you know serotonin and all that stuff. I don't, I don't understand, but you know, we're bodies too. We're not just souls, and our bodies affect our, our hearts and our minds. And some of us are prone to that. You know, some people just have, it seems, a kind of genetic leaning toward that struggle in particular. But it can also be grief. You know, sometimes grief can pile onto that and lead to depression. As you struggle with the pain of having lost someone you love, and it goes on and on, and you know, it's been a year now, I thought I'd be better. I'm not better. What's going on? Or it can be um, stresses in life, stresses with your family, stresses with finances, um, worries about money and, and so it just kind of piles on top of you conflict can be a big one and, and so these different these different waves crash on a person and after a while it becomes so much that, that, that you can't take it anymore right you ever heard people say this God will never give you more than you can handle that's just not true God sometimes gives us more than he we can handle. He never gives us more than he can handle, but he does give us more than we can handle. <laughs> now, what the Bible says is he will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. That's different. God's never going to send, t- allow temptations to come into your life that, that you, as a Christian, couldn't have resisted temptation. God is not there to make us sin. But does God overwhelm his people sometimes? so that we're forced to trust in Him? Yeah. In fact, I think it's one of His big tools for discipling and purifying us. Trials and suffering, we do get overwhelmed. Life is like that. There are things beyond our personal ability to soldier through it, like waves drowning a person, forcing us to cry out to God. In this case, the psalmist case, the thing that was, the waves that were crashing on him is, is uh, conflict. He had people... We don't know exactly the circumstances, but there were people who were harassing him. He had enemies, you know, chapter 42, verse 3. Men say to me all day long, where is your God? Chapter 43, verse 1. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked people. Verse Two, I'm oppressed by the enemy. And so this, this guy was in a state of conflict, and, and that conflict of people who were coming after him, enemies, was, was grinding him down. Like, uh, y- you know, you think about th- these stories we hear, these tragic stories of cyberbullying, you know, for kids, where they're, you know, the, I mean, back, you know, when I was a kid, if you had a bully, he just met you after school, beat you up, took your lunch money, and then that was it. But now it's, it's like, you know they're on your email, they're on your Facebook, they're sending you Snapchats, and it's this constant 24-7 barrage of, of intimidation and, uh, and anger directed towards you. And we hear these tragic stories of, of kids who just crumble under that, and in some cases they take their lives in desperation. Conflict can do that. Or if you've been, been in a relationship where, where someone is abusive, where they're oppressive and, the, and their, their words are constantly tearing you down and they're, maybe they hurt you in some cases, and it, it just can send you down into a depression. And so it is with the psalmist here. He's lost hope because of all the oppression that's against him. That's what depression's like. And it's it's more than that, but this is some really powerful imagery that helps us understand it. And again, the point I simply want to make is that the psalmist talks honestly about his depression. Perhaps you need to talk honestly about what you're going through, and you need to get past that, well, I'm a Christian, everything's fine, and I can't have these kind of thoughts. Well, maybe you do, and maybe you need to find someone in the church here. Maybe not even a, a psychiatrist yet, just a friend, that you can say, I'm wrestling with this, I'm feeling this, and, and I, want, I don't want to feel this way, but this is where I'm at. So just by opening up to somebody and talking, you know, we need to be able to be honest about those things with one another. And I, you know, I really hope that we can be a church where, where people feel like they can say when it's not all right. And, and we're a church that can handle that. You know, when someone says, oh, you know, really, I feel like God has left me, we we don't just go. Oh well, uh, I'm praying for you. <laughs> this too shall pass. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> we, I don't know what to do with you. I, I gave you a pep talk. You're not better. What's wrong? I threw a verse at you. You're be- You know why? Why aren't you better? And I hope we can be a church where, where we we walk with each other, where we listen to each other, where we take the time to. Listen to a depressed person, just kind of what they're going through, and we don't have to run in and fix them and give them a pep talk, and you know, just love each other, because sometimes it can be a long journey out of the darkness, and it takes love and compassion and patience, the kind of patience and love that God has shown us, and and even beyond the walls of the church, you know, you, you look out beyond the walls of the church, there are so many people out there who are depressed and hurting in the world. Like you think about how many people are struggling in the church, and we have Jesus. (laughs) There's a world out there without Jesus. And there's a lot of people medicating their way through life. A lot of people out there just so broken and hopeless, and, and they're just clinging to something, anything that can't hold them. What an opportunity we have as Christians when we find broken, hurting people out in the world to draw close to them and love them. You know, we, like, how, how do you share the gospel with people? You know, New Englanders, you know, they, they don't want to hear the gospel. You know, we have all these things that we, we kind of keep us from sharing the gospel. Man, people are broken, and God brings broken people right in front of us. Let's do what Jesus did. He just went to the broken people, you know? And, and so go to the broken people and love them and draw near to them and let God open up doors for the gospel right in front of us. Psalm 42 helps us to be honest about, talk honestly about depression. But it doesn't leave us there. Let's move along here. It's not where we end. It's not just talking honestly and everyone just kind of bearing their souls. There's more. Because the second thing the psalmist does, after he talks honestly about his depression, he then, number two, he talks to himself about God. So number one, he talks honestly about his depression. Then number two, he talks to himself about God. You know, talking to yourself isn't always bad. (laughs) He talks to himself about God. And it's the refrain that, that ties the psalm together and actually ties the two psalms together. It's right there in verse five. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Verse 11 the exact same words. Chapter 43, verse 5, the exact same words. So so it becomes the refrain that echoes throughout this. So, you you know, you could just see this this internal storm the psalmist is in. He's wrestling with all these feelings of abandonment from God, and, and he's honest about them, and yet at the same time, he's talking to himself, and it's repeated over and over. There's this battle going on within him. Put your hope in God. You know, it's like he starts preaching a sermon to himself. Hey, soul, why are you downcast, soul? Put your hope in God. And he's telling himself this again and again. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a great uh, Welsh preacher of the 20th century, uh, he he did a famous sermon series that got put in print, and people still uh, talk about it today and read it today. In fact, you can actually listen to it online, even though Lloyd-Jones is uh, deceased uh, his old sermons are online for free, and I've actually listened to some of his sermons in this series. But anyway, the sermon series was called Spiritual Depression, and people loved it. <laughs> you know, you talk about depression, everyone's like, oh, that was the best. Uh, and I don't know why, probably because we struggle with these things. And Lloyd, people loved that sermon by Lloyd-Jones, and he started the sermon with Psalm 42. And this is what Lloyd-Jones said about verse 5. He said, you know, we as Christians need to spend less time listening to ourselves and more time listening talking to ourselves. That's what he said about verse 5. We've got to spend less time listening to ourselves, and we need to spend some more time talking to ourselves. You know know what I mean by that? You know how you listen to yourself? Just driving the car, laying in bed, you're sitting there eating, and your mind is just kind of running free. Thoughts are just coming in. You're not consciously trying to guide those thoughts. They just sort of come into your head, and you know, you get yourself more and more discouraged. Oh, no, oh, no. And you're just listening to that tape. Or, or maybe you're, um, you, you know, you're angry. And so you just keep replaying, like, what you would have said and what you are going to say and how you're going to punch them out. And, you know, just, to, just, just images, you know, this, this, like, action movie in your head where you're the hero beating somebody up. And, or, or, you, or you're scared and, you know, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. And just the thoughts are running. They're flowing through the mind. That's how we listen to ourselves. And there are times when we have to actively speak into ourselves and say, Hey, self, stop it. Put your hope in God. Come on, self. Even as we're very honest about the struggle, we're not just sugarcoating it, but we also need to to speak this. Hey, soul, why are you downcast? Put your hope in God. Let me be really clear here. I'm not saying that this verse or these, these three verses are some kind of magic formula that if you say it three times, depression goes away like that. That'd be awesome. But, this, you know, God can do it. God can heal. But I'm not saying that this is a formula. Take these three and call me in the morning. You won't be depressed. Just say these verses out loud. This isn't a magic formula. But let me tell you what it is. It's truth and the thing you need when you're depressed and discouraged is you need truth you always need truth right but but when you're depressed it's like everything is dark everything's distorted reality is distorted and, and so you need to be speaking truth to yourself we need to hear truth. When, when you're drowning in the waves and they're sloshing over you, like you've got to find the solid rock of truth and just hold on to it. It doesn't mean the waves will stop crashing, but you've got to hold on to the truth. Truth is not dependent upon how I feel. You know, a lot of times when you're depressed and discouraged, what you're feeling, the feelings are real, but they're not true. See what I mean? yes, you're feeling abandoned by God, but it's not true. (laughs) He didn't abandon you. Feels like it. You have no evidence of it, but it's not true. You know, or or I'm hopeless, or my life isn't worth living. You're feeling that. Those feelings are real. They're valid feelings. They're just not true, (laughs) The truth is, of course life is worth living because our life is with Christ and with God. And so while at the same time we're being honest about feelings, we we don't let feelings define reality, we have to keep forcing truth in there even when we have a hard time believing the very truth that we're saying to ourselves. That's the battle. And so, so we have to listen to God's word and to truth. We need God's truth. Whatever it is you're going through, you're depressed. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with a, a, a chronic physical ailment that isn't going to get better. Maybe you're just getting old and there's aches and pains and it's not going to get better. Maybe, maybe you have been in God's mysterious providence given the challenge of a chronic mental illness. Maybe you're battling against addiction. Maybe you have grief it just didn't go away as fast as you'd hoped. Maybe your marriage is hurting. Maybe you're really lonely and you're single. Maybe there's financial disasters. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you just sent your last kid to college this week. You're empty nester and, and something feels really, really wrong. Whatever it is, we need truth. We need to speak truth to ourselves. That's why we need to be around the people of God. That's why we need to go to church and study God's word. That's why it's great to be in a growth group with other Christians so that even if you don't feel like going to the growth group, even as you're not connecting emotionally to the Bible study, you just gotta keep hearing truth and and clinging to truth, sometimes by a sheer act of the will and holding on to the rock of truth and reality and not letting reality be defined by internal perceptions and feelings. Is it possible that some of us this afternoon need to have a little chat with ourselves? Maybe it's time for a little chat with you. You need to talk to you. And you need to say, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God, right? Put your hope in God. Because no matter what you're going through, I don't care what anyone's going through this morning, at the spiritual level, it all comes down to one or two choices. Hope in God or don't. That's it. And so you've got to put your hope in God. I don't feel a God. I, 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 I'm struggling, but I'm going to hope in you with whatever little strength of a seed of faith you've given me. I'm still going to hope that you, oh God, can help me and rescue me, even though everything feels contrary to that. So maybe you need to have a talk with yourself today. Hey, self, put your hope in God. Or maybe you're not struggling with being downcast. Maybe you're, maybe you're anxious. Why are you so anxious, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're full of resentment and bitterness. You're just a churning cauldron of resentment. <laughs> Why are you so angry, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Or maybe you have a, um, a critical judgmental spirit. And that's the tape. You're always judging and criticizing, and there's a hard edge to you that's developed over time. Why am I so negative and critical and cranky, oh my soul. (laughs) I need to put my hope in the God of grace who's shown so much grace to me. Why can't I show any grace to anyone else? So, the psalmist talks honestly about his depression. Number two, the psalmist talks to himself about God. And then just to wrap this up here, number three, the psalmist then talks to God about himself. So, the psalmist Talks to himself about God, and then he talks to God about himself. Or in other words, he prays. You see that especially in verse 1 of uh, Psalm 43 Vindicate me, O God. Plead my case against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. So he's crying out to God, asking for God to, to intervene. He's, he's talking about himself to God now. He's praying. And he's still struggling, verse two, you're God my stronghold, why have you rejected me? Why must I go about in mourning? So he's, he's wrestling with those feelings still, but he's praying, right? And we need to pray. If you're struggling with discouragement and depression, you gotta keep talking to God. And you know, we say, well, I, I tried and God doesn't listen. I mean, really, how much have you prayed? How much do any of us pray? We talk about prayer a lot more than we actually ever pray. We need to pray and seek the Lord. Have you ever prayed? Have you ever fasted? How serious are you? Talk to God and and bring your issues to him. Oh, Lord, help me. I I need you, God, to to solve this. And and we cry out to God. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 is the prayer of the depressed person. If if you're struggling with being discouraged, take verse 3 and make it your prayer. Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell, Oh, you need light and you need truth. You need to see reality as it is, which is in the face of God. What you're feeling is a distortion of reality. It's real, but you need light and truth to see God for who he is and how much he really does love you in light of eternity and his great plan. And then finally, verse four, the light breaks through. There's this little gleam of light. It's interesting, we don't ever kind of cure the psalmist in this psalm. He never reaches a point where he's like, better, and everything's fixed. But, but, but there's light. It, it's like he's, he's in the storm, and he's holding on the rock, and he's crying out to God, and then this, like the cloud parts a little bit, and this one beam of light comes down, and it gives him hope. And so he prays in verse four, then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight God, you're my joy. I will praise you with the harp, O God, my God. So the psalm has come full circle, hasn't it? It started with the psalmist panting for God, desperate for God, saying, verse 2, where can I go to meet with God? And then in verse 4, he has hope. I will go to the altar of God. I will praise you. I'll see you, God. You're my God. And so he's received what he hoped for, which is God himself. So often, we look to God as a means of fixing our crisis. But what if that's totally backwards? What if our crisis is the means sent from God to push us to God? We look to God as a means to achieve an end, which is the relief of our crisis as we define it. But what if God has allowed crises and difficulties and even overwhelming experiences as a means to the end, which is to have God himself? I mean, if God could fix all your problems right now, every single one, and you came out the other end without God, That's just the path to hell. (laughs) But what good is gaining the whole world but not gaining God? Jesus said, you know, that that that's foolishness to gain the whole world but lose your soul. And so ultimately what we need is God's presence and God's fellowship. And so look to God. See your struggles as a a hard (laughs) path it's the narrow path, right? Jesus said it was hard. It's the hard path to him. But fix your eyes on God and on Jesus. And if this is true for the psalmist, if the psalmist could pray this, brothers and sisters, we who have Jesus Christ, like how much more true is this psalm for us? Like, that psalm was true when it was written before Jesus, but now that we have Jesus, this psalm is like ridiculously true. It's amazing. It's amazing. Jesus is the light and the truth sent from heaven. Jesus is the water of life for parched souls. Jesus, though he was the joy of heaven, he became the man of sorrows. And he bore our sorrows and our sins on the tree. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross he cried out. you remember what he cried? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the thing was, when Jesus cried that out, he wasn't just feeling abandoned by God. He was abandoned by God because he was bearing our sins. And in that moment, God the Father was turning his back on God the Son. And so that's why I can say if you're a Christian, God will never abandon you even though you may feel abandoned, you're not abandoned because Jesus Christ was abandoned in my place. And so I know that all the abandonment and all the rejection that I deserve from God has been heaped upon the Son of God. I'll never be rejected by God because of what Christ has done for me. And so though I may feel it, it's not true. God is forever for me. And Jesus went to the darkest place. He went to the tomb, and he rose, and he's coming back. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Brothers and sisters, put your hope in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are, you are our salvation. You are our light. We just can't see it sometimes. Oh, God, I pray that you'd pour out your grace upon this congregation. I pray, Lord, especially for anyone here this morning who is depressed, depressed discouraged, downtrodden, hopeless, maybe, maybe suicidal, maybe utterly despairing. God, I pray that you would save them and that you would give them faith to put their trust in you, even if it's just a little bit of faith. Oh God, take our eyes off of our circumstances and put them on you. Help us to make you our joy and our delight. God, I pray that you'd make us a church that deals gently and compassionately with one another when we're going through the dark seasons of the soul. Help us not to be a a shallow, superficial kind of church that gives pat answers and, and cheesy responses. Help us to love and listen. And Lord, use us in this broken world where there is so much discouragement. Help us to be your light to people who are trying to find their strength in pills and in bottles. And Lord, they're so lost. And help us to just love them and show them the, the love of Jesus. Lord, use us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.